Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, um, for those of you who haven't heard it, I encourage you to go listen to the latest episode of the Thursday podcast that was all about Pompo and Pompo the Cinephile, a little movie being put out by G Kids, not being made by G Kids, but they're they're a publisher, not an animation studio. But it's um if you get the chance to see it, it's worth your time, but definitely go check out the podcast episode if you are on the fence. Now, what I want to talk about today was kind of inspired by my like my journey with Pompo and my journey with Bubble, and also my be- having a stomach thing literally today, the, the day I'm recording this, um, and being up at like three in the morning, um, and watching, um. One of my favorite romantic comedies, uh, Crazy Stupid Love, which is one of a lot of people's favorite movies, period. And it kind of deserves it for a bunch of reasons. But what I want to talk about today is a kind of wealth of choice. I saw this post um, posed in a J-List newsletter, which is a wild fucking newsletter put out by the um, anime put out by the Japanese merchandise site J-List. I always think of it as an anime merchandise site, but it's really straight up Japanese. Everything from the dirtiest stuff you can imagine to like chopsticks kind of thing. Um, but the long and short of it is that there's like, there are tons of shows coming out. There are tons of things being made in terms of anime. And because of that, there's kind of something for everybody. And very, very often, the and part of the reason why the um why that movie um everything everywhere all at once is so popular is because movies like that don't blow up often anymore because the majority of movies that are made are pretty safe and that's starting to change a little bit with movies like everything everywhere all at once but for the most part unless it's an indie film you don't get big AAA, like the equivalent of AAA games, big blockbuster movies released that aren't like a Marvel movie or something that is a known quantity. You get big actors in weird movies because they want to do cool parts and they don't necessarily want to do a Marvel movie, but you don't get like, you don't get a huge variety at the box office. Lately, that becomes a little less true with streaming now because all kinds of weird ass movies are um, being made for streaming networks because they're the ones who need who need the deluge of content because they are in like a race, they're in like a mad dash to compete with each other. So that's where you get a lot more unique titles in terms of big budget blockbusters. But between watching an old, of, at this point, older movie, um, meaning it's not like a current release, um, in Crazy Stupid Love, I think, I forget when that movie came out, but it's fabulous and you should watch it. Um, but, and watching Bubble and 
Pompo in the same like in the same week. I think in the same three days I watched both of them. And I had to decide again and to give you an idea of why I didn't cover bubble first, I say this in the podcast in the podcast for Pompo, but I thought Pompo was the better movie. <laughs> and I wanted to give the better movie the spotlight first, rather than the movie that most likely more people are likely to have seen, even if that means less people listen to that episode. So what I'm trying to say, please go listen to that episode if you haven't. But, um, because Pompo is worth your time. Um, but the thing that's demonstrated with both movies is the wide range of what's produced in anime. Of what anime as a medium deems worthy of being made. And this, this is pretty... This is pretty commonplace for anime, dating all the way back to, like, the 70s. And part of it is the same effect that happened with things like books and movies, is that anime is a more niche medium, which means that the more... more... you have more freedom in the space than you do necessarily in something like a big-budget blockbuster. And if you... Look at what's been produced into big, big ass hit films in anime. It's still significantly more diverse than something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the DC Cinematic Universe, but it is very action oriented, very shonen trope driven. Like the 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 horrors the horrors we have had to deal with include the likes of Dragon Ball Z, a shonen show. Um, what Ghost in the Shell, an action sci-fi show. Um, but even there, even when you get, even when you dip into something like Ghost in the Shell, that movie was made the way it was made. Scarlett Johansson was cast when as the major, not necessarily because she was the best fit, although she was an okay, she was certainly a good fit. If you look at her roles leading up to that point, like. Black Widow plus her character and Luce, the character of Lucy from the movie Lucy gets you to the major if, like, you mix it right. And it wasn't, it probably wasn't directed as well as it could have been because the camera's not kind to, Scar- to Scarlett Johansson in that, in, that tr- in that movie at all in a way that's pretty surprising. And in a way that the camera is very kind to the character of the major in all Ghost in the Shell properties, no matter how good or bad, 2045 included. So, what I'm trying to say here is that the range of stuff that anime tackles is so much wider than many other mediums of entertainment, maybe with the exception of books, um, tend to tackle. You have... A story about a warring state era Chinese general. And this is just stuff coming out this year. Like the, this specific season. You have a warring state era general. Like reborn into. 20, I think it's like 2017. Into the 2017 EDM music scene in Shibuya. You have a. Uh, show that's like a bit comedy show about three Oni girls trying to like make it in the city. 
you have Spy X Family, which is like a weird 1960s spy thriller comedy that's obsessed with 1960s era furniture. Seriously, they did a whole um, did a whole article on that on like the chairs of Spy X Family. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, in on uh, over on ANN that you should definitely go check out. It's wild. Um, and that and that, that of course that comic book, the latest, I think the eighth volume, just has my favorite chair in the world on it, which is the Eames Lounge chair. If you don't know what that chair is, you know what that chair is. Go look it up. You'll be like, oh, that chair, and you'll be like, oh, okay, Alex is good taste, um, because I know I do. Um, but the the variety there is really stunning and really kind of inspiring because it means that like if you're looking for a thriller for a mystery thriller there is that there is a mystery thriller for you if you're looking for a pure romance that definitely that's definitely all over anime if you want to watch a show about teenage girls become pop idols over time we got you if you want that to also involve a very judgmental giraffe, we also got you. <laughs> May I introduce you to Review Starlight, um, which I finally started watching because that thing perplexes me and I'm just like, I have to know. So I watched the first episode probably for like the fifth time. Um, although this time I hope it sticks. If you want a shonen anime combined with like lurid sexy times that's all about clothes and power and female empowerment can i introduce you to kill a kill <laughs> I, I, the, what, my point is here is that the range of stories being told in anime not just right now but for most of anime's like existence as a medium is really wide is really wide you have stories like Tokyo Revengers, a time travel story about nineteen about early aughts fucking teenage gangsters. You have Sailor Moon, a story about a teenage magical girl. And then even in the like shonen shoujo genres you have different takes and different styles and different flavors of everything so if you don't like let's say naruto can i introduce jujutsu kaisen if you don't like um bleach maybe you should try hunter x hunter I, that just all demonstrates my point of the wide variety of things. There are there's a whole subsection, oftentimes referred to as a subsection of shonen anime that's just shonen sports shows. If you like Dragon Ball Z but you wish there was more basketball involved, you can go watch Kuroko's No Basket. Um, if you like volleyball, there's Haikyuu out there for you. It, All of this is to say that this 
one of the strengths that anime has that most other medium don't most other mediums of entertainment aren't using right now that all the mediums of entertainment could use but aren't using right now because they're so because they are so profit motive driven is the willingness to adapt or make just the wildest shit. Just like just like drop a trailer three months before air date and you're like, what what is this thing? No, I'll watch that. That looks re- weird and cool. I'll give that a shot. And that is in large part due to A, anime is a medium that was born out of adaptation of another medium, oftentimes, which is manga. So the fan base is there. They have hard numbers of like, oh, you know, volume two of, let's say, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad just sold three million, three million copies. We might want to make an anime about that because in addition to what whatever we would get, which would be a wider audience than the manga audience, we'll get that three million copies sold. A lot of them will probably convert over into the anime. Just out of curiosity. Now, that's not far away from what um, Marvel is doing with the MCU. Most of, if not all, on some level, of the MCU is directly adapted from the comic books. And it's like, these comic books have existed for a long time. And so they're... Part of the reason why they had such a good running start and part of the reason why they are so, you know, successful is because they have a built-in fan base. They have, they have people my age who read Spider-Man when they were a kid and now get to go watch Spider-Man. Or, this is much more applicable to me, I grew up watching, and to an extent reading, the, um, the Iron Man comics and the old Iron Man cartoon. And I loved it. I loved it mostly because the arc reactor in his chest and I had, at the time and then later on, an actual one on the other side, a portacast scar and a port actual portacast for um, chemo because I was a I was a cancer kid surprise, um, and I identified like oh cool he this superhero has something in his chest too and he wears armor that kind of reminds me of my leg brace and my arm brace this is cool shit and that's why the Marvel universe can take such big swings and do things that like maybe a horrible movie is this in the in the Marvel cinematic greater Mar- Marvel cinematic universe like say Morbius and one of the fun parts about Marvel now is that like they've run out of like the big names like the big names are done the the big names are in their like third sequels so they gotta start making the weird shit that nobody talks about and like get into WandaVision. Get into the... Or make a Hawkeye original thing. Or make a Loki original thing. And like they want to knock those out of the park. So you get these big weird experimental things in the Marvel frame that is, you wouldn't have gotten without the Marvel frame being able to support it. Now... 
the bad part of that is you don't get cool experimental things that don't have a brand attached to them, like something like Bubble or like something like Pompo. That would be a risk in a lot of people's eyes in like Hollywood and streaming as we now know it because they're working with such high budgets and such high expectations that like to take that chance you've got to get this thing directed by like a, a name people know you've got to get an actress people know you and if you look at this this happened with Studio Ghibli releases in um especially in the in the early Studio Ghibli releases so Howl's Moving Castle is a perfect example how, I forget the actress who played Sophie, but how would played by Christian Bale. The fire, Calcifer, was played by Billy Crystal. So you have two recognizable names on this anime movie that, believe me, as someone who... How should I put this politely? As someone who grew up with a mother who wanted to see things because they were Oscar winners, like, you couldn't get her to see Howl's Moving Castle, necessarily. But you could, were more likely to get her to see it if you said, oh, and the lead character is played by, one of the characters is played by Billy Crystal. <laughs> like, those names mean something to a lot of people, even if they don't mean something to you or me. And I understand that impotence. I understand, like, that there's a whole industry you need to support there. That taking, that being risk-averse means you have less hard crashes. And you have less big, big experimental bombs. And even in something like, say, um... Say, like... Let's take a look at, um... What's it called? At uh, Netflix right now. Netflix is struggling. It is feeling the consequences of making two seasons of shows that people love. And then cutting it off at the knees and letting it die. And canceling. And canceling those shows. What that means is there's only a handful of shows on Netflix that are Netflix originals. Meaning things they don't have to license that last more than two seasons. And the way Netflix has allowed seasons to be defined, sometimes a season means a full TV season of 12 to 24 episodes. Sometimes a season means four fucking episodes. And yes, that might be four hours of content, because each, in the case of something like Castlevania, each episode is an hour. But still, that's not that's not a lot of content for somebody to consume in a day. And they've, by not adhering to the TV principle of one episode a week, like something like HBO Max does, they've created a binge culture on their platform that means that even when they release something that's huge, because they drop it in huge chunks, meaning you should binge it, that stuff doesn't spark a conversation for very long. So this is the case with something like um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean. They canceled that show. 
They canceled it after two parts because it wasn't getting the buzz that they hoped. And JoJo, which is surprising because JoJo's is like a cult classic. You see references to it in like tons of shit. It's like a fan favorite. You think that would knock it out of the park. But because of the way they, but because they didn't have the 12 weeks or three months season lengths to whether it was airing over, you weren't getting new drops every week and you weren't getting new, like new things that people were reacting to every week. Also, that's helped along by Netflix having done that for a long time and things being held in what they call Netflix jail. And Netflix jail being of, from what I've seen, not big but not inconsiderable driver to piracy. Because if you wanted to watch, say, I remember this was a big problem with um, something like, um, what's it called? With with Kakigurui, which I've done an episode on, you can check that out in the feed. Um, Kakigurui was coming out and existed in the world, and Netflix was holding it because they wanted it all finished and dubbed so they could drop it in one chunk. And what people were doing was they were just going and watching fan subs. Fan subs, fan subs have always been there. They just aren't the primary thing for a lot of people anymore. But believe me. Like, we all still out here. We all still bout that high seas life if necessary. And if, like, something isn't... The second something isn't licensed, the, se- the second something isn't airing concurrently, a little, a little option pops up in your brain, in your brain computer of, you could just go find this. And that is kind of a big problem for Netflix, especially with anime, with anime content. And will be a bigger problem going forward is why they're trying to stop password sharing. They're trying to, like, force more people onto the service. But that's neither here nor there, really. That's just a, that's an interesting consequence of Netflix doing the kind of thing that anime as a medium does and supporting anime as a medium in its mission to do that, Bubble came out on Netflix. Pompo came out in theaters in a limited run, but um, Netflix has had a hand in saying yes to big, weird, cool projects and also saying yes to big, weird projects with built-in fan bases like Castlevania, which I don't consider anime, but a lot of people do. Um, the long and short of it is that anime, because of its weekly, because of its weekly release structure, because it's straight up TV, as, as we have always known TV, not in the streaming sense, and because of its, because of anime fans' willingness to check things out based on a cool trailer or beautiful animation or an interesting concept, they have a lot of room to run where they don't need to worry about, oh no, this doesn't have a built-in fan base yet. What's going to happen? Give you an idea. 
some original anime. Kill a Kill. Cowboy Bebop. You know, Space Dandy. Those are two um, Sochi or Watanabe shows. I feel like I cheated. But those were just interesting concepts that, yes, people may have heard of the director or the studio, but nothing guaranteed that they were going to be fat, they were going to be good, or they were going to be fun. They just knew, hey, this looks cool, we should check it out. And oftentimes that's true of everything. Like, Gundam before Gundam came out was probably like, oh, you mean the plastic toys that that toy company sells? That's getting a cartoon? What? Oh my god, it's War is Bad. Repeated over, holy shit. This is a lot. This is, wait, there's more? There's alternate universes? They do kung fu and spandex? Absolutely, I'm in. And so you get this fun, experimental, artistic, many, sometimes for artistic sake, thing. Like, if you look at something like, um, if you look at something like Bubble. Bubble is like a bunch of animators will be like, yeah, but what if we just animated parkour for like an hour and a half? That sounds fun as shit. Or you look at something like um, Promare, which is all about creativity and like persecution of creative people and all this other cool shit. And like the tamping down of creativity. It's all... It all feels so much more creatively driven than... What's the next thing that we can make out of a Marvel comic book? And I just I just kind of love that whole idea that anime has become a place you can go if you're looking for everything everywhere all at once, like once weekly, every week. And so on that note, if you like this podcast, New episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is a more traditional show. It's me talking about a single property, i.e. a movie, sometimes a live-action movie, a show, sometimes a live-action show, or a, like, some, very occasionally a manga, though I do a separate thing called Manga Minute for that, and it comes out whenever the hell I feel like it. Um, and... Sunday is more like this. It's more metatextual. It's more about anime as a medium, anime as, as an industry, anime as a fandom. So um, until next time, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. And I will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>